Podcast. Nick Harold is the rescue partner, and Joshua Johnson. I'm here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Book, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Let Matt Coach chiming in. I, I, you know, I, I don't understand. What are you doing? They're not called the Timo Broncos. They're called the Denver Broncos. Hello, it's a team. Your lines are supposed to block for you last time I looked. Your running backs are supposed to run. Your receivers are supposed to catch the football. And if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Ah. Uh. Both those clips just really get me going. Nothing, I mean, I don't know, maybe playoffs beats Denny Green, but uh, when you get Ditka on a tirade, that's 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 good stuff. Anyway, welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins Lager. Nick, what is up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. I mean, I'm doing pretty good. How how often can we say that both of our teams, my Skins and your Raiders, are coming off big wins over the weekend? How awesome is that? How are you today? I was trying to think since we've been doing this kind of this podcast thing. I think it was like our maybe somewhere our third year together. Has that happened very often? Where they both win on the same week, given the past history of our two teams? I, I don't know. I, I wanted to go back and check, but then I figured ah. Uh, Nobody cares. I mean, it's, it's, let's just celebrate it now. Um, my hangover for the Raiders victory kind of slid into Tuesday morning, but I'm past it now, so I think I'm finally ready to go and I'll hopefully celebrate another victory as we travel to the dog pound this week. But uh, I had some fun Sunday night. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as always, we have an amazing show for you today. Uh, Brian Hawks from DFW is going to be joining us here in about 15 minutes. Uh one one of our writers here on staff and is cranking out good work for us all summer long. I'm excited to have him drop by to help help us out today. Uh, some other things that we're going to be talking about. Excuse me. Uh, well, obviously, we'll get to some just notes from this last weekend. Nick's going to rant. We're going to finally get to best number 26 in NFL history. Um, uh, last April, I predicted if when a Kansas City wide receiver was going to catch a pass. And I'm going to stick to that prediction. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, Nick's got a dynasty depth charger for us. We've got a whole bunch of cinnamon stardom. Um, are you sick of Andre Johnson versus Steve Smith yet, Nick? Andre's going to take it one of these weeks. Um, we got a dynasty dilemma uh, as we pit Julio Jones versus A.J. Green. That's going to be very interesting. Of course, some dynasty trade analysis. Uh, a little bit of trivia for you. And injury news, there are a lot. Interesting, t- t- uh, Mr. Ditka there was talking about Tebow. Didn't seem to get a team this this week so far, uh, but uh, certainly some, some news flying around there. We're going to get to some IDP arrivals, some guys that have really done well over the last first couple weeks of the season. And then, of course, Mr. Chuck is can be stopping by, do a little ATS picks. Uh, very happy to report that Chuck's got a – Got an article on DFW now. Hopefully, it's coming out every either Saturday or Sunday morning, where he gives you five games to look at. I uh, went three and two again this week, so uh, you know he's always not just picking the winners or the favorites or whatever. He's giving you breakdowns of why he's picking these games. He's going to have some little fancy tidbits in there as well. 
Um, he's also going to pick, you know, if he doesn't like a game, but I think there's going to be a lot of points scored a game, he's going to pick the over there for you. So just a lot of a lot of interesting stuff coming out of Chuck there. And uh, so make sure you look for that article on the weekend if you're if you're uh, needing, to, needing to make some bank there. Uh, but like I said, Brandon's going to be joining us here in about 10 minutes now. But let's just hear what DFW can do for you before we get going. DynastyFootballWarehouse.com is very excited to announce our Insider Membership. For just $29.99 per year, you get the Insider Membership plus our Rookie Draft Kit. Insider Membership itself is $24.99, just the Rookie Guide is $9.99. DFW is where Dynasty Football is a way of life. You can dominate your league for only $2 a month. Membership includes all access to Insider Articles, Dynasty, Redraft, Daily, IDP, which is over a thousand articles per year, up to three a day on average. Includes Dynasty expert rankings, updated monthly, average draft position data, 2015 projections, in-season weekly rankings and management, rookie draft room, and so, so much more. 24-7 access to DFW staff via email for roster management advice, trades, drafts, rebuilds, waivers, Commission assistance advice for bylaws, scoring, and setup on new leagues on MLF. The 2015 Rookie Guide is $10 a la carte or $5 when bundled with the Insider Membership with the PDL emailed to you. Expanded in 2015 to include more players, the Top 10 IDP, all crisply summarized with keynotes on every player and their background, main stats, strengths, weaknesses, and key college stats. 143 skill position, 106-page PDF, 41,000 words of rookie insight, plus 100 hours of research analyzed and boiled down for your NFL draft day enjoyment. Combines all recaps from skill positions at the combine, includes guide along updates after the NFL draft, adjustments made through training camp and preseason. All three membership options will get you entered into the multiple DFW contests and giveaways. Each will enter you into a, a raffle for a brand new iPod, which will be given away during halftime of Super Bowl 50 via third-party security raffle. You will get entry into DFW Week 1 Free Roll Tournament on FanDuel or DraftKings, where you, the winner will receive $200. You will also gain entry into the DFW Survivor Contest, where... Over the course of the 2015 season, the last team standing will also receive $200. Again, very excited to introduce the DFW Insider Membership, just $30 a year. All right, Nick. Well, I want to first start out our week two reactions talking about some guys that really we really have no business talking about on this podcast. Uh, Arizona kick returner, J.J. Nelson. Riley Cooper, Philadelphia wide receiver, and the Oakland Raiders center, Rodney Hudson. Do you know what they all did this week? They all recorded one tackle, which was, happens to be the same amount of tackles that Khalil Mack recorded for the Oakland Raiders in their victory. <laughs> now, I know I'm a Raiders fan, and I'm supposed to be behind my guy, but, you know, and then I see Alex Mack said yesterday that he thinks he's going to be the next Lawrence Taylor. I'm still not seeing it. I love him. I know it's going to take some time. He's a Raider, but, I, you know, I'm just sick of people giving this guy praise. I mean, you know, you think he had 20 sacks last year and 150 tackles. 
I don't care that he's grading out as the pro football focus, just, you know, God of all men or whatever. It just, what, where, where is it? I need to see it. He needs to be dominant for our winning streak to happen, Nick. So that's if I have much else. But what do you got? Maybe you'll spurn my memory here. <laughs> well, there's a lot of reactions from week two. I'll start in Dallas. Joseph Randall dominated carries for the second straight week, so he looks like the running back to own there in Dallas. And now it's Tony Romo and Des Bryant out. I think he probably gets a decent bump. Um, then go to some quarterbacks. Johnny Manziel actually looked good. Uh, your boy Derek Carr went 30 of 46 for 351 yards and three scores. He looked really good, as did Blake Bortles, 273 yards and a couple touchdowns. 2014 might have turned out to be a pretty good quarterback class after all. Uh, and then you look Seattle, New Orleans, Philadelphia, the Giants, and Baltimore. All those teams are 0-2. Uh, Washington could actually win the NFC East if they can beat the Giants on Thursday night. Uh, they'll be in pretty good position there. Uh, and then J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall look pretty good there. The, they look like a team that can compete for a wild card with that tough defense they have. And lastly, you know, for so many years, we saw Peyton Manning make uh, average wide receivers like Brandon Stoker look great. Now he's got an elite wide receiver in Demarius Thomas, making him who, let's face it, Peyton Manning's a pretty average quarterback at this stage in his career. But he's got the Demarius Thomas making him look really good. That's just kind of a weird uh, flip-flop there. Uh, yeah, you know, and I think, not that not that you purposely didn't say anything about him, but uh you know, you talked about Fitzpatrick to Marshall. I think Eric Decker is kind of falling into that nice compliment role like he had there in Denver that, you know, made him such a sought-after free agent. I got him all that money, and I think I mean, he had a great game too. I know he had the, he had a PCL issue later on in the game. Sounds like it's not going to require surgery. Uh, uh, but, uh, so that we, but, yeah, I'm sorry. He's avoiding season-ending surgery. Sorry, I was re- <laughs> reading that as you talked about that. But uh, yeah, that's that's to be a dangerous team. Chris Ivory is going, and and I think they have running back depth on this team too. So uh, yeah, they look out for the Jets. I mean, this is a a team that very much I think resembles the Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl team, and uh, I think their offense is probably. Uh, you know, maybe a step ahead. They did, you know, that offense did have a 2,000-yard rusher and Jamal Lewis, and they did have uh, uh, Shannon Sharp uh, cutting fools up in the center of the field. But uh, th- this team looks to be pretty, pretty darn good. And uh, you know, I think I think the Colts will bounce back. They did start 0-2 last year too. But uh, yeah, look out for those Jets. Um, anyway, each and every week we do like something that we like to call Nick Rants. It's where I give my co-host the floor. Uh, to just rant about something that's bothering him, something in the NFL news meter or uh, or what have you. I like to call this sometimes controversial. Uh, sometimes it's also called the shock So the Colts starting out 0-2 was considered one of the biggest shockers around the NFL, but I'm starting to wonder if it should be so surprising. And don't get me wrong, I didn't predict this. They were my pick to win the AFC South. But looking back, there was one big red flag. Head coach Chuck Pagano, who's led the Colts to two straight division championships and three straight 11-win seasons, was said to be on the hot seat before the season began, and that there was tension between Pagano and the general manager, Ryan Grigson. 
So I started thinking, what teams with coaches on the hot seat have went to the Super Bowl recently? Of course, usually if the head coach is on the hot seat, the team hasn't played well, so there shouldn't be many. But uh, the New York Giants under Tom Coughlin and Jim Fossil before that, who didn't win the Super Bowl but did get uh, get them there, were the only examples I could think of off the top of my head. And due to playing in the media capital of the world, New York, they were probably used to being on the hot seat. I mean, unless you've won multiple championships, you're always going to be on the hot seat in New York. So they were likely somewhat immune to that effect. You know, football is part physical, part mental, but also part emotional. And a team's emotion could be even more fragile than RG3's body. The slightest thing can trigger an avalanche effect, ruining a team's season. So if there truly was a rift forming between the head coach and GM, they should have just pulled the Chargers and fired him after last season, like when San Diego went 14-2 and and fired Marty Schottenheimer, instead of letting the stupid drama sabotage this season. Pagano said after the Week 2 loss, talking about the O-line struggle, that has been the case for three years now, hasn't it? That, to me, sounds like a lot more of a shot at management than a shot at players. Teams need to remember the old thing with loose lips think shifts. So if you leak that the head coach is on the hot seat, he's as good as fired, and the team's season is already shot. And just one more thing uh, while we're talking about the Colts. The Indianapolis PR guy needs to really sit down with the running back, Josh Robinson, and say, dude, you're wearing the same number and playing the same position as one of the biggest busts in franchise recent memory, Trent Richardson. you got the same body type, only one to hit seven pounds difference, and you both have three syllable names that start with an R. I mean, you got to change that number. It's just too much similarity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Interesting point there, Nick. But, you know, and I feel like this whole tension has really caused them not to draft any defensive players over the last couple of years either. They just continue to not address this defense and just get, you know, weapons aplenty for Andrew Luck. And I don't disagree with getting Luck some weapons. But like you said, they also need to address the offensive line. And, uh, yeah, a weird situation for a team that a lot of people thought we're going to be going very far. And, uh, uh, yeah, like I said, I think the Colts will bounce back. And they're certainly a, a playoff team in a lot of people's eyes still, even though they, they started 0-2 again. But, uh, yeah, uh, sounds like a weird a weird uh, first-class problem, if you will, there in, in uh, Indy. But uh, I'm just happy my Raiders won a game. That's, that's, the, that's the weirdness of all of that. But uh, anyway, we have uh, we have Brian on the phone here, so we're gonna push best number twenty six, Nick, to uh, after after injury news. Uh, let's see. Brian, are you there? I'm here. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. How are you? It's Brian Hawks, uh, DFW's own Brian Hawks, I should say. Um, Brian, I don't know really anything about you besides that you're a DFW writer, and I believe you live in Minnesota. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. I've uh, been in Minnesota my whole life. Uh, proud Vikings fan, as proud as I can be anyway, with uh, with our track record of not winning, I guess, the big game. But uh, <laughs> No, it's uh, it just started writing for DFW within the past year, and, and it's been an awesome experience so far, so... Yeah, we have a we have a great staff, and you are uh, certainly part of part of our talented group. And we we appreciate you coming on today, and uh, hopefully we can spread spread some wealth. And we like to have our writers on because it just showcases what an awesome site we have here. And uh, yeah, just, just people 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 need to know that, and that's why we have people on like you. So we appreciate you stopping by. Um, let's first uh, get into it now. Last April. 
maybe it was March or whatever. Anyway, during their off-season podcast, I predicted that the Kansas City wide receiver would finally score a touchdown week five versus Chicago. I'm going to stick to that call. But uh, when do you think it's going to happen, Brian? I don't know how well you know that Kansas City schedule, but, I mean, we we know what Chicago's secondary looks like. Is that maybe the week, or what do you think? Can they do it sooner? Yeah, you know, I mean, um, I tried to – I kind of looked at Alex Smith's uh, historical performance to, to gauge, you know, where the numbers have come from. And, I mean, the odds just are – eventually he's got to throw a touchdown to wide receiver, right? Um, I think the Bears, obviously, secondary is as good a secondary as any to be the victim for that. Um, but I still don't see, you know, a wide receiver like Jeremy Macklin's production obviously is going to take a hit from where it was um, in Philadelphia. So, um, I mean, when I look at the numbers, historically Alex Smith is probably going to throw for 3,300 yards is, is a career high. Um, career high touchdowns, 23. Um, and if we, we take his production to the first couple games of this year and you equate it out over a full season, 2015, he's probably going to land right in that ballpark. Um, and Kelsey's obviously going to siphon off a good chunk of that. Um, so if we if we estimate Kelsey's going to get like 1,300 yards or so, that'd be a huge year, right? Um, 11 touchdowns maybe, that's a, a huge number. There's still got to be additional production that's going to come out of the wide receivers. So, yeah, I'd go Jeremy Macklin, Chicago Bears. That sounds like a great opportunity. Uh, it's going to happen. Eventually, it's going to happen. And this is not, I think, I don't know, I think I heard it during the Thursday night game. I think it's 20 games. So, it's not just a full season. It's additional games on to that. Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Chicago sounds as good as any. Uh, it wouldn't actually surprise me if he threw a touchdown this week uh, at Green Bay on Monday night. I mean, they're going to have to put up some points to hang with the Packers, right? So, yeah, eventually it's going to happen. Uh, you, you want to think it could happen versus my Raiders, but I think I think they're lucky. I'm lucky they get Chicago first there. Um, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, another thing that we've been playing around with here as the season got closer and now that we are in it is something that we like to call Dynasty Depth Charger, and I still don't have a clip for it. I spent my clip loading time this morning trying to get some reload some clips that haven't been working the last couple of weeks. But anyway, you don't need to hear about that. But Nick's, chi- Nick's turn to do Dynasty Depth Charger today, so what do you got for us, Nick? Well, the Eagles planned on bringing third-round pick linebacker Jordan Hicks along slowly, rotating him in behind uh, Kiko Alonso and Michael Kendricks. But now that Alonso could miss the season and Kendricks is also dinged up, I think that Jordan Hicks could have a big opportunity to shine. And judging by his play last week, he may be up to the task. Uh, As a middle linebacker, he won't be asked to blitz a whole lot, which is good news for opposing quarterbacks. The Eagles only blitzed him once last week, and that was the play where Hicks got a sack, forced fumble, and broke Tony Romo's collarbone. Uh, Hicks also had seven solo tackles against Dallas. And I've spoken before about how Philly's fast-paced offense means their defenders will be on the field more, you know, meaning more opportunities for points. I was kind of half right. I thought they'd be scoring quickly, but I guess going three and out over and over also has the same effect for the defensive players. Uh, you know, sometimes rookies seeing their first real meaningful game action can appear lost or in over their head, but that was not the case with Hicks last week. He looked like he belonged. He wasn't blowing assignments. He wasn't perfect, of course, but he was still pretty darn good. He's definitely a guy who in deeper leagues is working ahead. Uh, he's currently unranked in the DFW's uh, linebacker rankings. Uh, I think that's surely going to change come with the October ranks. What do you think, Josh? 
Yeah, you know, they have the other veteran there and uh, D'Amico Ryans who really hit the ground running when he was a young player, but he certainly has his uh has his flaws there up in Philadelphia. So uh as he's just not as the strong player that he was. He's had a few injuries along the way. So uh yeah, you know, Hicks is probably, you know, like a linebacker five at this point, you know, if you're in a full IDP. I think he's certainly certainly worth an add. Uh, Brian, I, I know you're not a big IDP guy quite yet, but do you have any, have any thoughts about Hicks? Have you seen him play in college or anything? You know, I um, I haven't stayed up on Hicks, and I'm going to trust. I'm going to leave the IDP talk to you guys as the experts. Um, I'll study up, though. I'll, I'll get up to your level, trust me. <laughs> All right, well, Brian is coincidentally in D- our DFW's 16-team league, which makes me feel like we should have graded your team today, but I, I kind of forgot about that. Uh, but that is a full IDP, so did that uh, – you feel like that's getting you more more aware of what's going on in the, in the full is, IDP world is. there? Yeah, it is, slowly but surely. Um, I mean, the more I get exposed to it, I mean, the more I think I want to include it in some of the other leagues that I, I participate in. Um, but, I mean, this to this point, I'm not going to lie, I feel like I've just gotten lucky. I think I'm 2-0, and um, but I'm stumbling into victories and just playing the right people at the right time. So, um, you know, we'll see how that progresses, but it's, it's definitely a nice uh, add to the, my fantasy football experience, having IDP involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm 0-2 in that league, and I think I've scored, like, the third most points. So I just ended up being in a, t- in a tough division, but uh, – this is not my format to complain. Um, maybe I'll do it later. But anyway, let's get to some sitting <laughs> stardoms here. We've got some tight ends on the dock. Um, if we want to go with these guys, if you want to play your guys on Thursday night, I don't necessarily like it. It's not very fun, especially if they they lay a couple, like a one point or no points. It's not very fun to look at that for the next couple of days. But uh, what do you think about, uh, Brian, we'll stick with you, Jordan Reed or Larry Donnell or Heath Miller? Now, Reed and Donnell are playing each other on Thursday night game in New York. Uh, Heath Miller is at St. Louis. So, so out of those three, um, you know, the guy that stands out to me at the start is it's Jordan Reed. Um, when I look at the New York Giants and their production so far in 2015, it's two weeks, right? Um, but they, they got daggered week one by Jason Witten for three touchdowns. Um, so year-to-date, they're 30th against tight end and points allowed. Uh, but if we go back farther and look at 2014, bigger sample size, they still weren't great last year, 24th against tight ends. Um, so I, I like that. I like the matchup. But in addition to that, I like what Reed's got going right now in Washington's offense. He's uh, tied for second in the league with 17 targets. So um, of that trio, I'm going Reed uh, as the start guy. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. Didn't the Giants and Redskins play on Thursday night last year and Larry Donnell had like seven touchdowns or something crazy like that? <laughs> uh, cool. So it was only three touchdowns last year. But oh. if you look at this year, and uh, Donnell only had seven catches and under 60 yards on the year, whereas Reed uh, had uh, six catches for 82 yards just last week. Uh, Jordan Reed, he's just the guy that you start when he's healthy if you have him. Just don't expect more than six to eight games from him. And, uh, like Brian mentioned, uh, the New York Giants defense is suspect versus tight ends. It wasn't just with Jason Witten that burned him. Jacob Tammy last week had 77 yards against him. So I, I would definitely go Reed, followed by Miller, and then Donnell would be my third choice out of those three. I'm slightly puzzled by the lack of love for Donnell, not just from you guys, but I feel like maybe just in the whole football, fantasy football world, I think 
you know, we saw him so flashes last year. And this is his third season. This is when, you know, this is when we put these tight ends out to stud, for lack of a better term. And I, and I feel like we're going to see some good things be, just because of the players around him in that offense. But uh, I think you guys are right. you got to ride Reed while he's hot and healthy. So, uh, uh, sorry, Heath Miller. I guess you're just uh, too old for us to care about you. Um, well, we had Drew Brees in this next one, but I had to flip him for Marcus Mariota, but now it sounds like Brees is going to play. Sorry, I hate doing these sit and starts, and it's like I have to update them every two hours when I look at Twitter. Uh, but we got, let's just stick with Mariota versus Teddy Bridgewater. Mariota is versus the Colts, so that's games in Tennessee, and Bridgewater is hosting the Chargers. Brian, what do you think? Well, um, so we've, already, we've already identified uh, that my Minnesota ties, but that has nothing to do with this choice. Um, uh, of the two, my choice would be to start Teddy. Um, reason being is when we look at San Diego again and, and kind of their performance this year, Stafford got him for two touchdowns week one, and then Andy Dalton got him for three touchdowns last week. Um, I just, I'm going with Teddy. This is a gut. It's a close call. Obviously, Mariota blew up week one, but I'm, I'm going to take Teddy here. Oh, that Colts defense is just so bad. And and I worry, I feel like Mariota, where, you know, he's maybe obviously a little bit more athletic than Bridgewater, and Bridgewater's got more veteran weapons. I just haven't seen much out of Wallace and Charles Johnson. So I'm just, i kind of confused. I mean, obviously you're not going to yell at the team for giving Peterson as many carries as they did last week, and they didn't do the week before. Um, so I, I feel like the Vikings have a good handle, and they're gonna they're gonna win this game. So I think I'm gonna go Mariota because I think this that game there against that poor Colts defense could actually be kind of a, a slugfest. You know, Andrew Luck's gonna be pissed off and want to get in that first win, and I think you know where Mariota isn't gonna match him uppercut for uppercut. I think there's certainly gonna be a little room for some garbage time there, and uh, you know the, let's say. I think the Colts win this game, but I think Mariota and company make it look good in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Mariota. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I think the Minnesota offense just revolves around Adrian Peterson. Teddy Bridgewater's only got one passing touchdown on the season so far. The Vikings can win without leaning on the pass. So I think Tennessee, you know, without the great running game that Minnesota has, Tennessee is going to need to rely more on the passing attack if they stand a chance of dealing into their third loss of the season. So I definitely have to go with Marcus Mariota in this one. Well, and speaking of Vikings and their weapons, and I and this makes more sense now that I know that Brian's a Vikings fan, but I believe it was you. Did you snipe Michael Pruitt from me in DFW 16? Is that right, Brian? You know I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> let's, I own him in, in several tight ends. He has done nothing so far. Yeah, I, I own him in more than I probably should, too. But uh, let's see a little two tight end, like all the New England Patriots sit with him and Rudolph. I, I, I need to get Michael involved. The guy is just ridiculously fast. I want to see him. I want to see all 250 pounds of that guy in the slot. Maybe that's what this Viking offense, passing offense needs to get supercharged. So, Norv, if you're listening, and I'm sure you're not, uh, just uh, let's, let's see what we can do there, buddy. Uh, okay. TJ Yeldon, who has been okay this year so far, uh, has to go to New England, or do we do we have any love for Doug Martin at Houston? What do you think, Brad? So I don't love either of these backs uh, this week, but of the two, I, I would lean Yeldon versus New England. Um, I had to dive kind of deep into the numbers as to uh, why, but when I look at yards per carry, uh, New England's given up 5.3 yards per carry. That's 
pretty aggressive. Um, and also, if we look at some of the backs that have gotten the better half of them this year, it's D'Angelo Williams and LaShawn McCoy. Uh, both have scored double-digit fantasy points in most scoring formats. So um, looking at that, I'm going to go Yeldon. Um, when you look at Martin versus Houston, Houston's uh, averaging a, a little bit better against the run, 3.76 yards per carry. So I'm just I'm playing the matchup here and going Yeldon. Um, <laughs> you said you're not a fan of either one of these guys. I don't. I really don't like. I'm not going to use the H word, uh, but I, I really don't like either one of these guys at all. And so it's just like this is a this is just a weird weird coin flip for me, but. I'm going to look towards, uh, as our buddy Chuck would do, look towards Vegas. And right now, Jacksonville is 13-point dogs in this game. At least that's what I saw yesterday. That's not an official line. It's just something that passed through my eyes yesterday when I was flipping through multiple pages on Twitter and what what have you. But um, So, I mean, if, if Vegas, you know, right now thinks that they're going to, you know, another Vegas term, get, if Jacksonville's going to get boat raced out of New England – I don't know if there's going to be much room for Yeldon to do anything at all. So I, I guess I'm going to go with Doug Martin. Uh, you know, maybe he jukes J.J. Watt once and gets, you know, 20 yards because I think that's more than Yeldon will actually have a chance to gain. So what, what do you think there, Nick? You know, it's tempting to go Yeldon, especially now with uh, Denard Robinson uh, going to miss a few weeks. But at New England, I think there's just too large of a chance they get blown out early and have to abandon the run. Whereas I think Tampa Bay should run, run, and run some more against Houston. Not to protect a big lead, but just to keep the all-world J.J. Watt focused on Doug Martin and and not focused on the rookie James Winston. So I'm going to go with Doug Martin. Okay. Um I'd like to play Charles Sims over over both of these guys, but uh, that's just me. Uh, Bishop Sankey versus the Colts. And let's face it, Mr. Sankey came down to earth. Or uh, Chris Ivory versus the Eagles. Um, you know, this one really intrigued me when I wrote it. And then I was, after I saw the games on Sunday, I'm just like, I don't know. But now I, the more I think about it, this this could be interesting. What What, what do you think there, Brian? Um, all right, so I have no logic to support this. <laughs> uh, no stats. I am not going to pick, pick Bishop Sankey to start uh, under any circumstances. I also have a slight man crush on Chris Ivory. Um, so I'm I'm going Chris Ivory here, um, hoping for a touchdown. I know Bishop did all right week one, but I'm, I'm going Chris Ivory. Yeah, I don't I don't know what Philly has given up. I feel like Philly has been able to get run on. I know I gave up 80 yards to Tevin Coleman week one, and I feel like Randall had maybe 60 plus. And I know I know McFadden actually I think had 30 yards or so last week too. Um, but that Colts defense is just so bad. Um, and I think you know Sankey gets you know and Sankey has I mean Dexter McCluster led this team in rushing. I'm sure you guys are all claiming him on waivers this week. Uh, but uh, I just I, I got to go Sankey and I and I like it. Not a lot of logic involved, maybe besides the quarter in my back pocket. But I, I think Sankey finds the end zone and I think he catches you know five or six balls and that that could maybe outdo, could maybe uh, outdo Chris Ivory versus the Eagles. So what do you think there, Nick? Yeah, I'm going to go with Chris Ivory. That Tennessee backfield is just too unpredictable for me to gamble on. Uh, you look at last week, Dexter McCluster only had two less carries than Sankey had. Uh, you know, Ivory gets to face that Philadelphia defense without the best player, Kiko Alonso. I think I think Ivory will have a good week this week. 
Okay. Nick, are you, are you sick of this next one yet? Andre Johnson versus Tennessee or Steve Smith Sr. versus the Bengals? You can just tell me you're sick of it and we can stop. But this, and in case you didn't know, Brian, we've, just, we've done this one every week of this month so far. Uh, what do you got for me, Nick? Uh, well, I nailed it last week when I uh, said Steve Smith. He uh, went for 10 catches and 150 yards last week. But Cincinnati is very good versus opponents' number one wide receivers. Amari Cooper, five catches for 47 yards. Keenan Allen, two catches for 16 yards. So I definitely have to go this week with Andre Johnson. I don't love it, but especially if tight end Dwayne Allen uh, ankle injury keeps him out, that's one less mouth to feed in that uh, Colts offense. So I'll, I'll take Andre Johnson this week. All right, Brian, what do you think? Uh, well, I, I own Steve Smith Sr. in a few leagues, and I've gone to that well so far uh, every game this year. Last last week, obviously, it paid off. Um, I don't love the matchup, but I, I have I struggle with trusting any of Andrew Luck's targets because I just don't know on any given day who's going to get what, outside of maybe T.Y. Hilton. So um, I'm going to go to Steve Smith Sr. because by default, I think he's the, he's the only option in that passing game right now. So I'm going to say, say Steve Smith Sr. Um, of these two. Yeah, Crockett Gilmore got got a couple of lucky touchdowns last week. I know that seems like a weird phrase, but uh, <laughs> he is the he is the man. And I just, gosh, would I, Brian, would either one of you guys start Dante Moncrief over both of these guys after what we saw and you know them trying to come back on Sunday? What do you think, Brian? Or Monday, I should say. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think I would probably go there. Um, you know, Steve Smith has yet to score a touchdown. He had a nice opportunity week one, dropped the ball. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think that I would probably go Moncrief over Steve Smith this week looking at these matchups. And, Nick, what about you? Yeah, I would also take Moncrief over both of these guys. You know, I guess back to the task at hand, I just – I don't feel like Andre Johnson is done. I feel like he's – it's it's gonna happen one of these weeks, um, and like Nick said, you know, you know, Nick said it, and Brian kind of supported it. He is Steve Smith is the number one option, and and since he does a good job at taking that away, you know, they know this Ravens team as well. Um, so I, I guess I'm gonna have to go Andre Johnson. Maybe maybe this is the week. You know, I I like the young the young players on that Tennessee defense, but I think Andre, you know, knows a few two things about that team and he can maybe get open and do some damage in the red zone. Um, Sammy Watkins versus Miami uh, or Jeremy Mackland at Green Bay. So that's Watkins at Miami or Mackland at Green Bay. I think the KC at Green Bay is the Monday night game. Nick, what do you think? Uh, this is the easiest start we've done all year. I think Watkins is an elite wide, elite wide receiver and has a juicy matchup. Miami gave up six catches, 155 yards, and two touchdowns to Allen Robinson last week. And we already talked about the streak Kansas City has for no wide receiver touchdowns around 20 games. So you definitely have to go Watkins here. I'm going to go the other way. I feel like I know Miami's defense has some, some issues and Losing to Jacksonville is never good for your persona. But, uh, and I don't think Mecklen's going to score, but I don't think Watkins is going to score either. Um, and I also feel like Casey's going to be needing to pass the ball in this game. And uh, I think, you know, where Watkins could maybe get, you know, your five five catches for 80 yards, I feel like 
I feel like Macklin could do do that a little bit better and maybe get not you know like nine catches for fifty yards. I feel like he's just going to get that get the receptions uh, in this game. And then I know Kansas City's offense isn't really built around that many wide receiver targets, but I just feel like they're going to be down in this game, and I think that's where Macklin's going to going to get the advantage there. What do you think, Brian? You know, really, Nick hit on all the points that that I had uh, kind of in looking over this. This one for me is Sammy Watkins. Um, but by quite a ways. I, I just I can't until Kansas City starts to get production out of their wide receivers. I just I just can't go there. Okay. Well, Brian has opted to bow out of a couple of the, ID, the IDP ones here. So Nick, what do you got for me on Vincent Ray versus Baltimore, who playing a little bit over his head as far as I'm concerned, or Alex Okafor versus the 49ers? Well, I think it all depends on your league scoring. You know, if it's really uh, sack-heavy scoring, you may want to think about Okafor, who already has two sacks, but it is kind of risky. You know, uh, Colin Kaepernick, for all his shortcomings, can be somewhat slippery there in the pocket. So it's risky if you go Okafor. Uh, In standard scoring, you definitely have to go with the run stuff or Vincent Ray, because you know the Ravens are going to try to establish the run game this week. So uh, standard leagues, I would take Vincent Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of along that same line, especially when you think about how much uh, Eifert is involved in this offense. You know, maybe maybe Ray's going to be asked to, to run with him, and that op- certainly opens a chance for a, a turnover. Um, and I, I I hear totally hear what you're saying about Okafor and versus Kaepernick. I didn't I really didn't really watch a minute of the San Francisco Pittsburgh game. It didn't, I just saw the score and it didn't look like you really needed to watch much at all there. Um, but uh, Kaepernick looked really good that Monday night versus Minnesota. Just, just really good anticipation. Um, I think, you know, they used, he's able to use a lot of the things that he learned from Kurt Warner this summer and also, you know, inject some of his athletic ability to, to just really not ever get frazzled in that game. And, um, I feel like the strength of the Cardinals' defense is their secondary, so I I, I think Okafor could, you know, where he led this team in sacks, he's also going to have those games where he's completely taken out or they they might opt to move away from him. So uh, I'll go with Ray there, too, who, uh, like I said, he's playing a little over his head right now, but I – I I got to start him in a league right now, so I guess I guess I'm happy for it. Uh, Landon Collins versus the Redskins on Thursday night, or Robert Blanton versus the Chargers. What do you think, Nick? I believe Blanton only has three tackles on the season. I think Landon Collins should have that in the first quarter this week. You know, whether it's coming up in the box to try to slow down the Skins' rushing attack, that really embarrassed a formidable St. Louis defense last week. And when he's not up in the box, he could end up uh, being matched up with the tight end Jordan Reed at times, leading to more tackle opportunities. So I definitely would go with Landon Collins this week. Well, I feel like Blanton could maybe get get a little uh, Ladarius Green action. And, um, you know, this this uh, San Diego team where I thought they'd make it a precedent to give, you know, Gordon 15 to 20 carries. Did I think it's hey, Philadelphia? I meant San Diego. Um, they they have a lot of receiver weapons, and, and uh, Rivers likes to uh, air out the ball. I'm not sure what his uh, yards per uh, pass attempt are, but I feel like they like to take chances downfield and uh, – or Blanton has kind of had a down year. I think Landon Collins is going to have his up and down uh, games. And 
I feel like it's really even, but I I, I don't know. I, I feel like Blanton just makes a big play in this game, and it makes it makes it worth it starting over here. I, I'm a huge Landon Collins fan, uh, but I'm not I'm not going to necessarily thrust him into a starting role every single week this year until I until I see some you know multiple double digit tackle games from him. So well, that's what we have for Cinnamon Stardom. Uh, but uh, Brian is been asked to judge our dynasty dilemma. This is another thing that we do every week. Um, I got a lot of I got a lot of emails about this particular one, so I think uh, I think the, tip, the scale is definitely tipped in my direction. So Nick's got his work cut out for him. But if you listen to the podcast, you know Nick is pretty awesome at this. But we're going to do AJ Green versus Julio Jones. So how it's going to work, Brian, is uh, Nick's going to go first. I'm going to say a few words about my guy after that, and then you, uh, Nick will have a chance to give us a rebuttal, and I'll try not to say anything after that. And then, Brian, you will, you will be our, uh, our judge. So get out your gavel, and uh, Nick's going to start after the six seconds. Oh, my God, Julio put up 13 catches for 135 yards last week. He's so amazing. But, you know, the 13 receptions, that's a franchise record. That's not going to happen every week. And, sure, if you're on the clock in a draft right now, you're probably taking Julio Jones. But these two are a lot closer than you may think. A.J. Green's only 27, and he's only missed uh, four games with injuries throughout his career, whereas Julio's missed 15 games over the same amount of seasons, four. Uh, Julio's career high in touchdowns is 10. A.J. Green has 11 scores in two different seasons. And last Last year, they both had six touchdowns. I think defenses can focus in more on Julio Jones. Roddy White's old and always dinged up. They have no good tight ends. Uh, the running back, Kevin Coleman, already hurt. So these are going to – defenses will focus on Julio like they have on A.J. Green in the past. But in Cincinnati, Tyler Eifert looks like a legitimate threat. Marvin Jones is making plays, and Jeremy Hill can't hold on to the ball. So they may be throwing it a lot more, and defenses can't. Uh, zero in on A.J. Green like they used to be able to. And one more stat. Uh, A.J. Green, in two of his four seasons, he's gone over 90 receptions, whereas Julio Jones has only topped 80 catches once in his career. Right now, Julio Jones' value is at an all-time high. He's probably one of the top three wide receivers with Antonio Brown and probably Odell Beckham now that Dez is injured. So if you're a buy low, sell high guy like our wheeling and dealing Dan Burgundy Hines, this could be a great time to try to deal Julio for A.J. Green and maybe a high draft pick for next year, unless you're in a win-now mode. That's the only uh, way I would take uh, Julio right now. Josh? Okay. Well, this is this is going to get weird. Uh you know, and maybe Julio has less receptions because when he gets the ball, he just takes it to the house. Uh, okay, I can finally rag on the red rifle now. Uh, of course, that's even dull. Even even though the the bullet case may be more expansive than Matt Ryan, uh, whose running game is still a little TBA, uh, I, I I still feel like you got to go Julio here. Uh, you know, but enough about these pretty boy quarterbacks. This is AJ Green versus Julio. So I have, I've had some internal discussions here um, on this matter, and the overwhelming majority, majority is that it's not even close. Julio is tops. Uh, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to find a definite line besides just watching them play. I also feel like Julio's value has finally recovered since the whole pins in the foot year. Uh, AJ has had some health issues over the last couple of years, and I think his value is in turn down. 
but in Julio is one year younger, even though he has an older quarterback in Matty Ice, he's probably better than Andy Dalton. Uh, Cincy also boasts a very solid running game, but eight, but the ATL is up and coming. And I think that factor gives, gives Julio a little bit of advantage because he is the top option in this offense. Uh, and I think, you know, next year, moving forward, I think they're going to have a nice one-two punch there in the running backs, given they get some good experience this year. Um, and I also also got some word from uh, from Jay Myers on this. You know, again, some of the points I made, AJ, you know, AJ's one year older. I know that doesn't seem like a huge difference, but he does have some closer injury history here. Uh, he's on record pace after two weeks so far. And, um, I don't. He, he also said, I don't know if anybody would take AJ over Julio in the startup right now, which is another point that Nick made. Uh, sounds like Jeff, Bill, and Jay are all all have Julio 1.2 right now in their DFW ranks, but he's and Dan has him number three. Uh, sounds like he's going to be the the number one overall overall wide receiver as we do our October ranks. Um, there's also a thread in the DFW forums right now if somebody like Nick said should sell should sell Julio for A.J. Green in 2016 first, but no overwhelming response is everybody would hold Julio. So that I think Jay said he thinks that says a lot about the market value in terms of how people are seeing But I think the really deciding factor um, is that we've all seen Julio, have, or excuse me, we've all seen A.J. have really good games, but we've all seen Julio just flat out dominate games and kind of, kind of win them, you know, just making some spectacular catches. I, I think if you just line these two guys up, you know, and even swap the team, I think I just you just got to go Julio. I just you just you just see it when you watch him play, and I see the effort on every single play. And AJ, I, I feel like AJ is to blame for for a good number of Mr. Dalton's interceptions. Nick, what what is your rebuttal? Well, you brought up the quarterbacks, and yes, Matt Ryan is definitely a better quarterback than Andy Dalton. But I, I think that just means, you know, Matt Ryan's going to make better decisions when Julio Jones is double and triple covered. Uh, he's not going to go to uh, to Julio. He's going to look for Roddy White or somebody else. Whereas uh, Andy Dalton, he's like the guy who, you know, if the play is called to go to AJ Green, he's going to throw it to AJ Green no matter what the coverage looks like. So I think that it could lead to a little more consistency at least uh, as far as the numbers go for AJ Green. Okay, Brian, what do you think? Uh, well, I, th- I think Nick did a nice job making a case for, for A.J. Green because I think on paper, um, you know, right away most people, just because of recency here, would pick Julio, you know, just because he's had some huge games. But, um, you know, I'm gonna, I will stay with Julio as the winning choice between these two. Um, reason being, quarterback uh, to me matters um, as we look forward and what's going to happen around the players uh, on Atlanta. Obviously, Roddy White's been there with Julio, um, I think, since he's been drafted, and, and has always been fantasy relevant. At some point, Roddy's going to fall off, and that production's going to go somewhere. Maybe Julio picks up a portion of it. Maybe we're seeing that right now. Um, and I think that the opposite might happen in Cincinnati, whereas some of the younger options uh, in Cincinnati, Eifert, Marvin Jones, whomever, uh, may step up and actually take some of the production we've seen from A.J. Green to this point. But, um, I mean, it, again, Nick, you made a great case, but I would I would still go Julio between these two. Let's not forget about my guy, Mohamed Sanu. Uh, he's he's still there. Uh, you know, he's 
he gets lost in that in that offense, but uh, he's going to have his big game, and he's certainly a guy that's uh, going to obviously benefit from Green being there. But I think he's he's a nice villain when Green's hurt too. He's done that very good job there. So, um, sorry, I just really like that guy. Uh, let's go with some dynasty trade analysis here. Um, we have some. I think, as Nick said, doozies before we started. A uh, lot of players involved here, so bear with me. Chris Johnson, Eddie Lacy. I want to preface that all these trades were made before last week's game. There was, was some injuries involved and some inactives here. so. But uh, still, it's, it is Dynasty, so think, think future, future, future. Uh, Dynasty trade analysis. Chris Johnson, Eddie Lacy, James Starks, Amari Cooper, and Stephon Anthony for Fred Jackson. Sean McCoy, Jonathan Stewart, and Alshon Jeffrey. Brian, what do you think? So I'm going to take the Cooper Lacey side of this deal. Um, reason being is I, I'm not crazy about Alshon Jeffrey, who I would say is a key piece on the other half, um, just because of his quarterback situation long term. Um, and what we're seeing, I think, in Buffalo with McCoy is that I think there's potential that Carlos Williams is going to take a little bit of the production uh, from Shady. So uh, I love Amari Cooper right now. I love what we see in terms of targets. And um, if you project that forward, I think it's nothing but good. And Eddie Lacy, to me, is a horse. He's one of the few running backs that um, is a horse, obviously, when healthy. So I, I take the Cooper-Lacy side. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Starks is also involved in this. So, you know, if Lacy misses a couple weeks, uh, you know, Starks is pretty good against what people still – still believed to be a very good Seattle defense. He made some pretty nice moves there. Um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to stay on that side too. And you're right about, I think we've already seen Carlos Williams take two touchdowns away from Sean McCoy. So, um, you know, it's, it's certainly some veteran players going to, to one side here, but, uh, um, and I, I think you're right with the key piece being Alshon Jeffrey, but, and I really like him, but, uh, the the kicker here, I think, is Stephon Anthony is come you know where he's not blowing the stat sheet up. He's he I think he really showed a nice progression from week one to week two, and obviously these guys are going to get better with experience. And I think he's going to be uh, you know up there in the LB three discussion as we do our startups next year. So I think he's a pretty solid linebacker who's going to get even better uh, with more opportunity and more more reps there. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you guys. I uh, definitely like the side that picked up Lacey and Cooper. Uh, Chris Johnson, Fred Jackson, the two older running backs, those, they kind of cancel each other out. Uh, Lacey's got less wear and tear than Sean McCoy does. And plus, like you mentioned, you got James Starks as a handcuff there. Uh, I would take Amari Cooper over Alshon Jeffrey and then Stephon Anthony, like you said, a uh, pretty good uh, young linebacker to get. So definitely got to go with that side. Uh, yeah, I'm really not sure the, the motivation for this trade on either side. Um, um. Yeah, I, I, I think they both want to win now. I think it's what, what the what the issue is, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see as the season progresses how uh, how that that trade works out. Um, Odell, this this next trade comes via Bill Latin, uh, Bill Latin America. I always have to say that to make sure I say the last name right. Uh, now the DFW writer here, he just asked me this, and I said, oh, we should talk about that on the podcast. This is a good one. So somebody offered him Odell Beckham and Devin Funches uh, for DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Parker. And uh, I was like, oh, hell no. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Um, 
this one's this one's tough. Uh, I, I obviously I love. Actually, I mean, I like all these guys. Um, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say the the better side is Hopkins Parker. Um, some of this has to do with just my opinion of Parker and that eventually he will emerge as the number one option in Miami. I know he has to take over for Landry to to, to get there, but um, I look at this as two number ones for a number one and a number two. So I, I like the Hopkins Parker side. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I mean, obviously Odell is is super talented, and uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna be the mainstay there and the Giants for a, for a long time. But Funchess is done next to nothing, and I know Parker's in the same realm. But you know, looking back to or where I thought both of these guys were pre NFL draft, I, I I really think Parker is is the the better prospect, and I know Bill knows that I love. Hopkins, but and he keeps dangling him over my head. But why on earth would you ever trade DeAndre Hopkins? I just I, I don't see why you would ever do that. So Nick, what do you think? Uh, Long term, I definitely like the side that we get uh, Hopkins and Devontae Parker. But as far as for this year, if you're trying to win now, uh, I, I question whether uh, Parker is going to be able to contribute a whole lot this year, just because of the injuries that he suffered kind of holding him back. Uh, so if you're trying to win now this year, I would I would go with Beckham and Funches. But long term, definitely Hopkins and Parker. Do you think Funches can can actually get a role in this offense, Nick, as as the season progresses? I mean, how hard can it be to beat out Ted Ginn and, and Corey Brown? And I think eventually he's going <laughs> to start to produce more. Yeah. Don't forget Jericho Cotri. Um Okay, Nick, let's stick with you. Uh, <laughs> Colin Kaepernick, Todd Gurley, Trey Mason, and Sammy Watkins, Ryan Tannehill, Lamar Miller, and Mike Evans. You know, this is really, really even. Uh, I'm going to go with, I guess, Tannehill, Lamar Miller, and Mike Evans just because I'm not a big fan of Colin Kaepernick. I think he's uh, going to be a guy within a year or two that's going to be on the waivers. So, And uh, Gurley, we haven't seen him play an NFL down yet. Trey Mason's been dinged up. It's really, really close, but I'll go with the side that picked up the two dollars. Yeah, I'd like to think the side that picked up, you know, Gurley Watkins, obviously the main piece, and the Mason being the handcuffs there. You know, is hopefully rebuilding, and uh, you know, Tannehill's got got a nice value right now. So I think it's I don't disagree with trading him at this point in time. I'd certainly like to own him in the league. Um, so I, I think it's a pretty fair deal with, you know, you, the the addition of Gurley, you get his handcuff. You give up Watkins, but you're, giving, you're getting Mike Evans, Tannehill, and Lamar Miller. And that's that, that, those are certainly three pieces that are going to be guys that you can start each and every week and don't really have to agonize over that decision. Uh, what do you, and in terms of the other guys, you know, Gurley, we don't know, you know, even when he plays, are you going to be ready to start him? Obviously, Sounds like the the Rams are not going to play him till he is 100, percent which is which is good for him and for fantasy owners. So I think you, when they, when he plays, you know you can use him. Uh, but Watkins, I think Watkins is kind of a week to week thing right now. I know he's an elite talent, but you got to wait for him to blow up until you get some confidence. I think. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a, a fair trade. Um, you know, if if I was to pick a side, I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm projecting forward and saying. In a dynasty league, I, I think that the top shelf elite talent of Gurley and Watkins is 
those, those are two elite level players. Whereas the, the other side of the deal we have, I would put Evans in that category. So, you know, if I was really looking to build something long-term, I would probably lean on the Gurley Watkins side. Um, but if I want impact and I want a guy I can trust to start every week right now, then it might be the other side of this deal. It might be, you know, the Evans side. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly a big one. And some of the, these, these last couple are ones I just, just pulled off Twitter. So, uh, Interesting moves there. It's always fun to just search Dynasty Trades on Twitter and see what's going on in other leagues. And you know, one thing that we don't know when we're talking about these is what you know what these the rest of these teams are like and what you know what this league is like and how how they value players. Is it you know I don't know if, if I'm assuming these are all PPR, but maybe it's a point and a half for you know running back reception or tight end. I know there's not tight ends involved in this trade, but just know that when we're doing dynasty trade analysis, we don't not necessarily always know the full picture. Um, you know, some of these trades cut like the first one came from DFW 36. Some of, some of those we know a little bit more about, but just, just know that we're, where we're coming from on a lot of these. Okay, Brian, let's stick with you. Last one here, Matt Forte and Brashard Perryman for Matt Jones. Again, this trade was made before last week and before Jones had 120 yards or whatever it was. So Matt Forte, Brashard Perryman for Matt Jones, Cameron Artis Payne, and Brandon Coleman. What do you think, Brian? Um, so Matt Jones obviously looked, looked great last week, right? Um, I mean, he's looked great to this point. So, um, you know, if we assume that, that he's going to maintain that going forward, it changes this a little bit to me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually throw that out. And I'm going to say that I'm going to take the one proven commodity in this deal, which is Matt Forte. And for me, for that reason, I, I would pick that side of this deal. Um, it's just he's he's done it. I know he's aging, but um, he's the one proven commodity in this deal, and, and he's a valuable commodity. So it would be that side for me. Okay, well, I own Matt Forte in DFW 16, so if you want to work up some three young <laughs> prospects like that, we can we can we can talk. I know Nick already has Matt Jones, but just just think about it. Um, and I totally hear you saying about proven commodity, and definitely win now. I do worry about his age, and uh, I, lo- I and like I said, I I you know I, when you say that type of thing, I think about what I can get for a guy like Forte, and that's kind of why I took him over some other guys in that in the startup this this summer. So um, if I can get a Matt Jones who looks to be a starter next year, I think Cameron Artis Payne could be a starter next year, even though we haven't seen anything from him yet this year. I like that. I like the fact that I can turn those two guys into some Forte into two guys like that. I think Brandon Coleman certainly has a future in New Orleans. I know the team is, you know, a little down in the dumps right now, but uh, he's got size, and uh, Breeze really knows how to use his weapons. He's certainly not an easy guy to just start every week right now, but uh, I think he can develop into a into a nice piece. So I'm going to go with the go with the young side, even though even though Forte is definitely the the best player right now with the track record in this uh, in this trade. Nick, what do you think? Well, I'm assuming the side that's trading away Matt Forte is uh, rebuilding for the future. So with that being said, I don't understand it. I mean, why are you trading away Brashad Perryman, a really promising young receiver? If you're rebuilding, he would be a guy you'd want to keep. If it was just Matt Forte for the three youngsters, then fine. But I, I don't like trading away the, the rookie Perryman also. Well, you know, Perryman's been hurt. We haven't seen anything from him this year just yet. So, um, and you know, you can't you can't trade a one player 
one old player to get a whole bunch of young players without maybe giving up a little something. So I guess I guess that remains to be seen. Um, trivia time. Uh, we'll let Brian try to answer first. But I am so nice, Brian, that you get Nick as as help. And Nick has no idea what the question is. I think I just labeled it current quarterbacks. Um, but we should all, you should all know this answer, and it might take you just a few minutes to cycle through the, the league. But uh, which current NFL team completely overhauled their QB depth chart this offseason, meaning no quarterbacks on their current roster were on the team last season. Any ideas there, Brian? Uh, first team that comes to mind is Buffalo. Um, that might be wrong, but I'm going to go Buffalo. No, EJ Manuel. Uh, EJ. Well, all right. Fail. Nick, Nick, any ideas? <laughs> Uh, I'm cycling through the teams. I can't figure it out yet. It's not Houston um, because Ryan yeah. Mallett was there last year, right? Yep, yep. Well, I'll give you I'll give you guys one clue. They drafted a quarterback this year. Tampa Bay. No, Mike Glennon is still there. <clears throat> He was he was almost traded to the Jets at one point, but he is still there. Uh, the answer is actually St. Louis. They traded Bradford for Foles. Oh, there you go. Cut Austin Davis. I think Sean Hill is a Viking now. Drafted, um, just lost his name, Sean Mannion. And they also traded, I believe, a seventh-round pick to Houston for uh, Case Keenum. So there, there you go. There is the, the new... QB roster there in St. Louis. And, hey, it looks like they're having a pretty decent season so far, besides, obviously, the loss to the Redskins. But uh, uh, always fun to try and stump you, guys. But uh, I know I I usually don't come out on the stumping end of those. But uh, injury news, Brian, is there any injuries? We saw a lot of people – we saw a lot of people go down last week. Uh, But, uh, obviously, Bromo, Breeze is – up in the air right now. Cutler's going to miss a couple weeks. Eric Decker, we're still waiting to hear the full extent of his MRI. Kiko Alonso could be in major trouble. Any any injuries out there that you're really concerned about? Um, I mean, obviously, to me, anyway, the, the biggest one was the Romo injury. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how Dallas's offense kind of evolves from here. Um, if, if it's Brandon Whedon, it, I think they just traded for Matt Castle. Um, but to me, I mean, those guys on paper should have an impact negatively on, on the passing game. Um, so I'm curious to see if Dallas really relies heavily on the run from here on out. Um, but to me, it, that was the one injury that was a big one for me. Obviously, yeah, that's that's a huge a huge effect there. What Do you think that's uh, going to have a big effect on on the receivers? I mean, we saw... We saw T. Will catch a touchdown pass from Whedon. What, what do you, what do you think? You think that'll think he can continue? I mean, he's obviously the number one option downfield. You know, Witten just refuses to come out of the game, so he's going to still be there. Do you think? Do you think it's going to affect these guys? Do you think Whedon can? Obviously, they maybe lean towards the run a little bit, so the targets might go down. But maybe that helps their uh, their yards per catch there. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there's no question it's probably going to impact the, the receiving options. Um, I mean, I, I actually was 
was looking to buy uh, Terrence Williams there after the Des news. But at this point, I, I, I really am in a position where I think it's best to just hold and kind of wait and see what happens from here on out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the game plan, especially against the uh, rejuvenated Falcons defense. Nick, Nick, what about you? Any any major things that you're concerned about there? Um, well, the Drew Brees injury, you mentioned that he might uh, be able to play, but it's a rotator cuff injury, if I'm not mistaken, and he's a quarterback who's already got some fading arm strength issues. Uh, I would not start Brees, even if he does play this week. And uh, I saw today that uh, DeMarco Murray uh, injured his hamstring in practice and had to exit, so that's one to definitely keep an eye on. Okay. Yeah, that is that is certainly noteworthy there. Um Um, sorry. I had one more uh, trade. Actually, I thought we could uh, we could get to here. Um, I uh, traded this morning. I traded. Excuse me. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I traded Martavius uh, Bryant and Jalen Strong for Melvin Gordon. I'm definitely in the need of running backs, and the team I traded was sorely in need for wide receivers. What do you think, there, Bryant? I know you're not prepared for that one, but what do you think? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm i not a big Melvin Gordon guy at this uh, stage of the game. I I like Martavis Bryant, but I can understand making that move for team need. Um, the players are – I would have them comparable in value. So um, if your team needs depth at running back, I, I see reason to make that deal. Okay. Nick, any thoughts there? Yeah, I have no problem with the trade. Uh, Gordon hasn't uh, been great yet, but, uh, you know, with Martavis Bryant, he's one more screw-up away from a one-year suspension. So, you know, a lot of risk uh, having Bryant. So, yeah, I, I have no problems with it. I was the only league I owned Bryant in, and I'm a big fan, so I'm going to see if I can grab him in another league. But I think I think that was that was a nice move for me, and Jalen Strong hasn't really done a whole lot either. Um one more little redraft thing that came to mind. Uh, my friends and family league will say I uh, immediately pounced on the Tony Romo owner because uh, it's, it's a one-keeper one league where you keep one player and you lose the, the round that you drafted them in. But I drafted Jameis Winston. Uh, and I said, hey, to the Romo owner, as soon as, as, soon as I knew that he was going to be out for some time, I said, what do you, what do you give me? And he says, well, what do you want? And I have Elshon Jeffrey, so I, I could use a little receiver depth. Uh, so I said, oh, just give me a P-Jacks for him. So what, what, do you, what do you think about that, Brian? It's just a redraft. Uh, he's getting a nice keeper option and hopefully can fill in for Romo. Well, what do you think? Uh, V-Jacks for uh, Jameis, just just a redraft. I, you know, I I actually like um, I like V-Jacks this year uh, with the injuries that we've had in a redraft. With the injuries that Evans has seen so far, um, I, I actually, for probably in terms of how much I trust Vincent Jackson week to week, I think I feel like you know, previous years we saw a lot of ups and downs in his week to week performance. But I think this year you can come to expect maybe a little bit more steady production, especially with ASJ now out four to six weeks. Um, so I like Vincent Jackson. Okay, Nick, what are your thoughts there? 
Uh, I agree, especially in a redraft format. You wouldn't want to make this trade in Dynasty, obviously, with uh, Vincent Jackson's age. But in redraft, yeah, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Like Brian mentioned, uh, the injuries, uh, Mike Evans and ASJ have both been kind of dinged up. So, yeah, I think Vincent Jackson should be in for a pretty good production this year. Okay. All right. Well, thank, and we want to thank Brian for joining us. Again, it's Brian Hawks. Uh, just search his name on DynastyFootballWarehouse.com and you can find all kinds of great nuggets. And He uh, does contribute to the uh, question and answer every Saturday, too, so make sure you read his thoughts here as the season progresses there. Brian, thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully hopefully we can have you come back and uh, go Vikings. Or go my Colts. Right. That's right, that's right. Thanks, guys. Good luck this week. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Okay couple more things to get here too before we get down to the to the ATS nitty gritty. We got uh, something that we've been doing. We've kind of put it off for the next last couple of weeks, but we're going through the numbers, the NFL numbers, and trying to decide who is the best to ever wear that number in NFL history. Um, today we're on our number twenty six. So Nick, what do you got for us for best number twenty six in NFL history? Well, it's kind of a short list this week. We'll start with uh, the running back, Robert Smith. He could have had more than 6,800 yards in his career, but he retired at 29 following a career-best season, 1,500 yards, four straight 1,000-yard seasons for Minnesota. Uh, Another recent running back who also had four 1,000-yard seasons, uh, Deuce McAllister's best year came in 2003 where he had 1,600 yards uh, rushing and another 500 yards receiving. Uh, Clinton Portis was one of my favorites for a while. He went over 1,500 yards in three of his first four seasons, ended up with six 1,000-yard seasons and uh, four years with double-digit touchdowns. He was also known for being one of the best blocking running backs in the game. Uh, Now we'll switch positions. Antoine Winfield played 14 seasons, five in Buffalo and nine in Minnesota, went to three straight Pro Bowls. He was only 5'9", but played a lot bigger than that. Uh, Raymond Claiborne started 196 games, mostly during the 80s for New England went to three Pro Bowls, including the 1985 season when his uh, Patriots lost to the Bears in the Super Bowl. He had a career-high six interceptions that year. Now we'll go back in time a little bit. Uh, Herb Adderley was uh, Green Bay's first-round pick in 1961, and by his third season, he went to the first of five straight Pro Bowls. In 1965, he had three interceptions returned for touchdowns and was a six-time champion. Uh, tough to top that, but Rod Woodson's 11 Pro Bowl appearances break the tie between these two Hall of Famers. 71 interceptions is good for third all-time. 12 interception returns to touchdowns is number one all-time. Uh, in his 17-year career in Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Baltimore, and Oakland, at 37 years old, led the NFL with eight interceptions back in 2002 and played uh, 14 or more games uh, in 14 seasons. So he was very reliable. Rod Woodson is my number one, uh, number 26 of all time. Oh, yeah, I mean... I just remember watching this guy as a kid thinking, is there anybody faster? I mean, he was just unbelievable at what he was able to do. Um, played for so long as well. I just, I, yeah, I couldn't, I feel like I just couldn't believe the, the speed in which he, which he attacked and played the game. Uh, but another stealer, Nick, no love for Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I mean, I know he's a current player. It's, and it's weird that there's, we have a couple of Steelers that wore the best number 26, but uh, I think uh, he's certainly in a nice position right now to uh, 
to uh, really do that number some justice. Uh, totally agree with you on Herb Adderley, uh, uh, a guy that, you know, in a, in a, when the NFL was certainly a different game back then, more predicated on running and short passes, a guy that had a huge impact as a, as a defensive back there for Green Bay. But uh, uh, as of right now, we definitely have to give uh, Mr. Woodson top billing as it's uh, – that's that's just how it goes. Um, we have some IDP arrivers for you. These are a couple. These are a handful of guys that we have seen do some uh, some nice damage here in the first couple weeks. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start here. I got Trenton Robertson, uh, Washington safety, uh, entered the season with just 36 career tackles and five and and the Redskins. In five NFL seasons, and the Redskins are actually his third NFL team, but he now appears to have found a home at strong safety uh, in Washington due to some injuries. He's been thrust into the starting role. Uh, two weeks into the year and 14 team leading tackles later, the five foot nine, 195-pound Robinson is demanding our attention. Sure, he's a DB4, DB5 material right now, but if, if he keeps it up, he's definitely someone to, to keep your eye on his seemingly major injuries happen every single week. So it's Trenton Robertson, strong safety, uh, Washington Redskins. And we know, you know, the Redskins have going to be giving up some, some passes this year. So make sure you keep an eye on Mr. Robinson, strong safety there. Shane McClellan is the other guy I have. Uh, inside linebacker, Chicago Bears, former 2012 first-round pick. Uh, he's nailed down 17 tackles so far in the first two games. I'll produce the ultra-quick Christian Jones, the other inside linebacker there in Chicago. Uh, he was drafted as a defensive end, made the switch to outside linebacker in 2014. Uh, Mason Foster failed to make the Bears roster because the Bears just saw what McClellan was capable of as he played inside. Um, friend of the podcast and radio giant Eric Casillas said a few months ago that Easy to find inside linebackers because just about any defender can excel at it who has any type of speed or anticipation. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing there with McClellan. You know, it's not he's not a pretty name, but a guy that's going to produce an inside linebacker IDP-wise. Um, you know, and McClellan was also a former edge guy who knows and understands how things break down on the outside. So uh, I believe that that gives him a nice advantage uh, as he's going to be able to position himself properly to chop down plays when needed. Now, he's not exactly Erlacher, Singletary, or Dick Butkus, but for those of us full IDPers, uh, we definitely need to take notice of his play. Perhaps you own John Bostick and you're pondering McClellan as insurance. Definitely go for it. Or you have Pico Alonzo and Jordan Hicks is not available. You need to be prepared for the worst. McClellan is a run stopper on a bad team definitely seeking uh, an ad there. So, Nick, who you got for us? Well, I'm going to start with uh, Michael Brockers, the St. Louis uh, Rams defensive tackle. He kind of gets lost in the shuffle on that defensive line that also features uh, Robert Quinn, Aaron Donald, Chris Long, and Nick Fairley. But don't forget that the six foot five, three 326-pounder was himself a first-round pick in 2012. So it's not like he's just a scrub taking advantage of his teammates being double-teamed, although that definitely doesn't hurt his production. Uh, he's probably only relevant in defensive tackle required leagues, and he's not a sack artist. He only has 11 and a half sacks over the last three years. But in two games this 
this year. He already has six solo tackles, eight assists, and a tackle for loss. And best of all, he's likely available in all the deepest of leagues. I'm assuming that since he's unowned in our uh, 16-team IDP league. Uh, and then uh, Marcus Peters, Kansas City Chiefs cornerback. Uh, the rookie first-rounder is having a great start to his pro career. Already has ten tackles, two assists, seven passes defense, two interceptions, one each week. And now, remember, all interceptions are not the same. A lot of times it's just luck, being in the right place at the right time when a quarterback overthrows his target or catching a deflected pass. But that was not the case for Peters' interception of Peyton Manning last Thursday. Peters read the play or the quarterback, he jumped the route, and made the play on the ball. He just did not look like a kid playing in his second NFL game. He looked like a wily veteran out there. Uh, right now, he's the top-scoring defensive back. Uh, my biggest concern fantasy-wise is that he enters the realm of uh, shutdown corner sooner rather than later, which would majorly hurt his value. I think if you have Marcus Peters, you may want to try to sell high and trade him right now. Um, yeah, I, I definitely hear that there, but I feel like he's still a rookie. Teams are going to watch him and see how they can expose him. Um, and I feel like some teams in the division, especially if they can figure out a way to knock him off his game and maybe let that emotional side of Peters show, that's not, not a bad not a bad thing to try out. Um, and I also I feel you on Brookers. I mean, this is a guy that's got a lot of talent around him. And if they're going to, you know, if Aaron Donald and Ogletree, who had something like 16 tackles and three assists last week, I mean, that guy's a madman. But they're filtering people inside, and Brookers is just, you know, standing up and making tackles. He's he's a guy that you can use in a pinch. That definitely, like Nick said, he's available in our 16-team full IDP league. So look for Brookers for insurance. If you're sitting on a rookie like Michael Bennett or, you know, somebody that's really not producing in the middle, Brookers is there for you. So check, check it out. A, a veteran that knows what he's doing. So let's patch Mr. Podeski through. Oh yeah, I got the music clip fixed. What do you think there, Chuck? You ready Good afternoon, to get Josh. Today? Uh I am. Can I I have a little conundrum in in actual fantasy football first. Can I can I throw that at you guys real quick? We we're here for you, Bob. What do you got? <laughs> well, when I when I first drafted my running backs are CJ Anderson and Eddie Lacey. Now we have Lacey who's questionable. We have C.J. Anderson who will probably lose his job to Ronnie Hillman uh, before long, and I and I do have Ronnie Hillman. That's part of my part of my problem. But when I looked forward to the schedule, I saw in week seven that both Anderson and Lacey would both have bye weeks, and I wondered what I was going to do in week seven. Why? Well, I, I think week seven has has arrived early. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, at least you have Hillman. Uh, well, I, I'm hearing a lot of people tout Hillman instead of C.J. Anderson, yet C.J. Anderson is still higher in the rankings and he's still higher in the projections. Yeah, I mean, I think he's still going to have a chance, but um, um, I would grab James Starks, too, if he is available. Um, well, that boat has sailed. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I would also think maybe of, of a guys like uh, Andre Williams or uh, Charles Sims. Uh, those guys, those guys could potentially be available in the yeah. league. And um, well, let, let me show you, tell you who. Well, let me tell you who else I have. Go ahead. 
I have Matt Jones and I have uh and I have uh, Danny Woodhead. So, you know, there <laughs> is Jones for real. Um Nick, what do you think? Yes, but with Alfred Morris still there, it's going to be tough to know which weeks he's going to shine. There are definitely going to be some down weeks where he doesn't get the production. Yeah, well, my my whole reason for taking Matt Jones was to just to have him for when he. I I I got I had the feeling it was eventually going to work into the starter's role and and get more work, but it may be too early to put him on your team. Yeah, but he's not a not definitely not a bad person to hold on to because he would. He would break the waiver bank if Alfred Morris was to get hurt. So, um, okay. another guy, if you have room, I would maybe think about grabbing Cameron Artis Payne just just in case Jonathan Stewart gets hurt. There'd be a nice there'd be a nice run on him. I know he's not necessarily going to be the guy there, but he's not 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 a bad person to add. He doesn't have any production last the first couple of weeks. Uh, Josh Robinson is also out there too. So a couple couple of rookies that are nice to lean on there, but that's maybe just the dynasty manatee. So uh what do we got? I'm sure Nick's itching to hear about what's going on uh Thursday night with uh his Washington Redskins going to the Giants. Well, what do you got for us? We we we've got to review last week first. We were two and four on the oh. ones that we all three agreed on. And uh I ended up eight and eight. And on my uh on the new column on uh Dynasty Football Warehouse I ended up being two and three, so for the season now, I'm even. Oh, I thought you were three and two. Oh shoot. No, That's I fine. missed. Uh, just, just so I can, I, I always like to own up to the to the things that I do wrong. I had the, uh, I had the Texans plus three, and they ended up losing by what six to the Panthers. And I had the overs mm-hmm. on the Buccaneers and Saints game, and I and I should have just taken the Buccaneers in that game. The ones I, the ones I won were the Browns. Over the Titans, I'm proud of that one, and the Redskins over the Rams, I like that one too. And then, uh, you know, like all of America, I was duped into thinking the Dolphins were some kind of super team this year, and they sure haven't proved it yet. Mm, that's for sure. Okay, that's an interesting matchup as we get to that. I was also eight and eight. Um, Nick, do you want to mention your record? Uh, I won nine games in week one. Does that count for anything? Because I only won four last week. <laughs> well, uh, there's always this week. So let's go to Thursday, okay? All right. Now, the latest line on this one, there's a couple of games who didn't have lines at the casinos here in Las Vegas, but they do have offshore lines, so I'll let you know those when we get to them. But uh, for Thursday night, the New York Giants are favored by three and a half over the Redskins. Oh, well, uh, we'll let Nick go for it. After last week, I have to believe until they let me down again, which I know it's probably coming, but i got to believe in the Redskins. That power running game that they were featuring, just it looked pretty darn good, especially against a really good Rams defense. So I'll take the, the Redskins to at least cover the spread. I'm trembling as I pick the Redskins, but I, I agree with Nick. I feel we talked about how Jordan Reed could maybe expose this defense a little bit too, and, and I I think that's a nice, solid play. So I'll, I'll go with the Skins as well, especially since you're giving me three and a half points. Love the hook. 
We are going to sweep this one. The Giants, uh, even though have have been leading in both of their games, but I haven't been that impressed with them. And I and I'm loving the Redskins front seven this year. This is a NFC East division game where they uh, when those when these teams get together, if one team is is getting more than three points, you just kind of automatically go with the underdog. So I'm taking the Redskins. And Dallas was a five-point dog last week, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Oakland's going to the dog pound. What do you got for us? Uh, let me find that one. Raiders. And uh, the Raiders are three-and-a-half-point underdogs, according to the Westgate here in Las Vegas, and uh, it has pretty much stayed that way. Three-and-a-half Raiders getting more than a field goal on the road against the Browns. Um, again, I love the hook. I'm going to have to go go with the Raiders. I feel like with McCown back as the starter now in Cleveland, they might take a, a quarter or two to get going. And I know I know we're talking about the Oakland secondary here, but I also don't believe a whole lot in the in the receivers. They've had some good luck. Manziel's had some good luck with Travis Benjamin, but I don't think he's going to be uh, uh, McCown's guy. So I, I think Oakland can maybe hopefully control the clock in this game. And and, and I, I think they win this game, so of course I'm going to take those three and a half points. Nick, what do you think? Um, well, you know, I've never been a big Johnny Manziel guy, but that he actually played really, really well last week, and I'm surprised they're going back to McCown. Uh, I think if county football was starting, I'd be tempted to take the Browns, but since there's think it's going to be McCown, I will go with the Raiders. Well, you guys, it looks like we're going we're gonna to sweep two in a row here to start out. Uh, first of all, the Brang, uh, as I do my research into fantasy football, it helps. It, it always helps me when I'm doing my handicapping. The Browns are ranked 22nd against wide receivers, and uh, with the way Derek Carr is hooking up with, uh, with not only Amari Cooper, but now with Michael Crabtree, he seems to almost favor Crabtree, and that's a guy I picked up in my, uh, on my fantasy team this week. The danger here is the Raiders are playing the early game for the first time this year. Now, I understand the Raiders are playing a lot of those situations this year, and maybe down the road it won't matter so much, but for a, for a young team, especially young young quarterback, young wide receiver, um, that may have a factor. But uh, I think it'll have a factor from the fact that Cleveland may jump out to a lead in the first half, and then the uh, when when the Raiders wake up, look out for a furious comeback. So I am going to take. It's hard to ask a middle-of-the-road team like the Browns to give up more than a field goal at home, especially after a great performance by the Raiders last week. Um, because the Browns are number 10 against running backs, look for a lot of passing from Derek Carr and uh, look for a lot of points from Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. I'm going to take the Raiders. Wow. Joe Hayden can't cover both of them. Okay. That's exactly Atlanta, right. <laughs> Atlanta at Dallas. What do you got for us? The Falcons are two-point favorites at Dallas. Why don't you go first, Chuck? <laughs> Crickets all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did I have written? Um, you know what? I'm just going to I, – I can't figure out any angle on this game except the good old wounded dog angle, and that is uh, that is when a starting quarterback goes down um, – you take the team with the new quarterback in the first game after that happens because the rest of the team raises their level of play. So 
I am going to go ahead and go with the Cowboys plus two over the Cowboys getting points at home. That is a steal. Cowboys plus two. This Cowboys team lost to Colt McCoy and the Washington Redskins with DeMarco Murray and Death Bryant last year. I don't care if Romo got hurt. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't take Dallas. Not this week. I think the Falcons are too hot. And I mean they're facing Dan Quinn's defense. So uh yeah, I, I gotta take I gotta take the Falcons. I think I think it's a really close game, but I think they win it by a field goal in the end. Nick, what do you think? Uh I agree with you, Josh. I gotta go with Atlanta in this one. But Dallas is just too dinged up. Uh you know, Jason Witten might not even play, not to mention of course Des Bryant and Tony Romo being out. Uh, I, I can't pick Dallas in this one, so I've got to go with the Falcons. Well, we didn't okay. sweep it. <laughs> um, Indy at Tennessee. What do you think there, Chuck? What do you got for us? Uh, the line at the Westgate here in Las Vegas is the Colts by three over the Titans. Well, I saw three and a half, so I got I got. I really think they just put the hammer down. And uh, they take this one. I'm I'm actually surprised it's not uh, not bigger. I know it's it's on the road, so that's going to you know tip it a little bit towards Tennessee's way since the Colts are on the road. But they're going to be mad, and I and I I got no problem with just three points. I think they win this by eight to ten. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, you look at the Colts in the last few years; they've just dominated this division. So uh, in division games, so I have to go with the Colts. There was an interest, there's been an interesting history on this line. Um, started out uh, Indianapolis favored by five. They went down to four the next day. Let's see, it was number uh, five on uh, Sunday. On Monday, they went down to four and a half. Yesterday, they went to three and a half, and today they are at three. Uh, here's what I have on this game. The uh, After the way the Colts have played their first two games, I don't see how they can be favored by anybody on the road. Last week, the Titans were good enough to be favored on the, the – last week, everybody thought the Titans were good enough to be road favorites, and uh, that's what happened to them. They got beat. This week, they're getting points at home against a team with an 0-2 record with all kinds of discord in the front office. Those things have a way of filtering down to the field. Uh, Titans, with their first game at home, with their new quarterback – uh, Titans are going to win it outright. Although I will, uh, so you know, I guess the, the the three points is a gift. I'm going to take the Titans. Okay, Pittsburgh at St. Louis. Steelers are one point favorites at the at the Rams. All right, Nick, what do you think? Uh, I like the Steelers in this one. Uh, you look at the way Ben Roethlisberger's playing. He's been one of the top quarterbacks in the team uh, lately. Uh, it's pretty much impossible to shut down Antonio Brown. So I'm going to go with the Steelers in this one. St. Louis is also both cornered. Both their st- they lost one starting cornerback already. Now both their cornerbacks are on the injury list for this week. Um, and Antonio Brown can't be covered Anyway, so I really don't know what their plan is there. Just one point, not to mention somebody named Le'Veon Bell is going to be back. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll think I'll take the minus one and feel pretty darn good about it. I know it's St. Louis at home and they got some weird tricks in their bag. I think this is going to be a good game, but I think I think Pittsburgh wins this by a field goal at least. What do you think, Chuck? 
The worst thing to happen for a lot of people is probably the fact that their Rams beat the uh, Seahawks at home in their very first game. But uh, the Steelers went toe-to-toe on the road with the New England Patriots. And now they're home playing the uh, playing the uh, St. Louis Rams. And so we're putting the Rams on the same level with the Patriots? I don't think so. Jeff Fisher is really good at home, but mostly good at home playing against divisional opponents like the Seahawks, like the uh, 49ers, like the Cardinals. Um, I'm going to look for the Steelers to win this one on the road. And a sweep. All right. And it's not like, you know, these Jeff Fisher's not watching Steelers tapes right now. We all know he is. But when these teams that don't play each other, you know, very often when they match up, it's just it's it's always a little bit weird and I think you gotta give a little bit of the advantages to the offenses and you look at this both offenses in this team versus each other and I think you definitely gotta tip the strength there towards uh A B eighty four and the Steelers. So um, is this is, is this host. the hey Josh? Yeah. Is this the week the Le'Veon Bell is back? This yeah, he's back. He's okay, back. Okay, good. Well all right. Suspension reduced from three to two games, yeah. So look look for him to be heavily involved. Uh Minnesota hosting the Chargers. What do you got for us, Joe? Okay, the Vikings at home are two and a half point favorites. Okay. Um Another weird game where these two teams don't play each other very often. Um, I think the Vikings passing game could actually get it going here. And I know I said I said the opposite earlier when we were talking about Bridgewater versus Mariota and Cinnamon Stardom. But uh, I, I think Minnesota wins this. I think they have Adrian Peterson, obviously, to lean on. I don't trust the San Diego defense at all. So, uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go Minnesota. You're just they just got to win by a field goal at home. I I don't like it, but I'm gonna go with San Diego. Uh, I, I don't really have any any explanation why uh, Minnesota could easily win this game, but I, I just I, I'm gonna go with the underdog to at least cover the spread. Maybe it's a one point game. So you you're taking the Chargers? Yeah. Okay. Chuck, what do you got for us? Well, we already know we're not sweeping this one, right? Uh, my analysis of this game is fairly simple. I don't, you know, have a, a real strong leaning either way. But when I look for clues, I see that according to fantasy football stats, San Diego is 26th in the league against running backs, and Adrian Peterson is a running back. So I'm going to give the uh, even, you know, when, whenever it's two and a half for a home team, it looks like the uh, the books are trying to get you to bet the Vikings, you know, oh, all they have to do is win by a field goal. This time I think it's going to happen. I'm going to take the Vikings. Okay. Um, New England. Oh, boy. I can't wait to hear what this line is. Uh, New England hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Looking to extend uh, into a winning streak there, Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you got? Well, this is one of the two games I'm going to look at for my Eliminator Challenge this week. The Patriots are favored by 13 and a half. Oh, that, I'm I'm surprised by that. I mean, that I mean, I talked about that earlier. That means Vegas thinks they're just going to boat race Jacksonville out of town, right, Chuck? Yep. Um, is that a correct gambling term, boat race? You know what? It works as good as anything else. So a boat race, 
the, that, that term has been discussed on the Rich Eisen show. I think that was about a year ago <laughs> where they're discussing the term boat race, whether that was a real term or not. And uh, both of the Chris's agreed with him. So, yeah, yeah, let's use boat race. All right. Um, well, all that being said, Jacksonville, when they're double-digit dogs, correct me if I'm wrong, Chuck, does okay. And that's, I mean, they they only have to lose this game 27 to 13 or whatever you're telling me here or 27 14 i i think they can say i think they lose this game by 13 love the 13 and a half hook on there i'm gonna take jacksonville because you're giving me all those points and it's the nfl okay um i think i i i Josh, I, I can't laugh at your pick of picking the Jaguars because I don't have a clue. The Patriots have a bye week coming up. And, uh, by the way, i got Tyrod Taylor to replace Tom Brady next week, so I'm hoping that will uh, that will pan out. But uh, the, I, I just took the Patriots just from the fact that Bill Belichick doesn't let his team let down, especially before a bye week. And the Patriots want to have a uh, – this is all psychobabble. Psycho but I'm assuming the Patriots don't want to go into the bye week with a with a bad game. So you can probably expect a good performance out of the Patriots. And just just because I didn't know who to pick, I'm going to take the the team that has my fantasy quarterback. So I'll take the Patriots minus 13. Okay, Nick, what do you think? I think the Patriots are definitely going to win this game, but 13.5 points, that's, that's too big of a spread. I think Jacksonville can cover. Blake Bortles has been playing a lot better this year than he did last year, so Jacksonville will cover the spread, I believe. Okay, a little garbage time love there for Jacksonville. Uh, the Jets, the 2-0 and Jets, are hosting the 0-2 Philadelphia Eagles, the Battle of the Greens. Chuck, what do you got for us? <laughs> Let's see. Latest line has the uh, Jets, the upstart. I'm going to call them the upstart Jets, two and a half point point favorites. I gotta believe there's no way Philly starts 0 and three. That's my only logic behind this pick. I think, uh, yeah, I think they get it going. I know Demarco Murray's got a little bit of a hammy thing right now, but I, uh, I something's got to give. And I don't know how they're going to score against this Jets defense, but uh, I, I think Philly, Philly wins this game. I don't, I don't really know how. I just don't think they're going to go 0-3. Nick, what do you think? Um, I think Philly was my Super Bowl pick, so they will go 0-3 because whoever I picked in the Super Bowl always ends up having a bad year. So I'm going to go with the Jets in this one to at least win by a field goal, if not more like a touchdown. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, Chip Kelly's up against a wall here really needs this one. The Jets' defense is not one to go up against when you need your first win, by the way. They have been very, very impressive. It is uh, I boil it down to desperation over celebration. The Eagles are a desperate team. The Jets are celebrating their two wins. If Decker can't go this week, the Eagles will take away Brandon Marshall. Uh, by the way, it, it could be a nice play on the unders. The unders are 47 here. The Jets, will, I, I'm sure, will be content to run the ball. And I think DeMarco Murray will get a lot of carries there. I, I, I think Chip Kelly is, is wanting to get DeMarco involved in the game plan, so look for some rushing out of DeMarco Murray. And uh, a lot of rushing in a game means that there will be less points scored. So, so look for it to go under the total of 47, but I'm going to take the Eagles plus the points on the road. Uh, another thing is the Jets, I think they were favored over the Browns, weren't they, by three? But to be favored by a really mm-hmm. good team at home, that's a lot of pressure on a team. So I'm going to take the Eagles. 
And what was that? Celebration over desperation? <clears throat> no, I'm saying desperation like over celebration. Desperation over celebration. Taking the eagle well, desperate stealing. for win. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm ste- I'm stealing that term moving forward. Uh, maybe I'll okay, even good. cut and edit that into something fun for the show. But anyway, Carolina <laughs> hosting the Saints, who are 0-2. Um, what do you got for us? Okay, there's no line on this one in Las Vegas right now, and, and I'm assuming it's because the, the status of Drew Brees is up in the air. So I had to go to one of the offshore books that I found on uh, pregame.com, and uh, the only line I can find, and it's a line we'll have to go with here, is uh, Carolina being favored by three. Uh, I like that. Were you like in international waters when you went offshore? Then I'm assuming. So this is all this is all legal and good. Um, well, you know, no, these are these 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 are. It's a whole list of of the lines around the world. Now this this is kind of strange, Josh. This is kind of interesting to everybody too. One of the offshore books has three and a half. Another one has two of them have three. And I just noticed another one just changed to Carolina by seven. So they must have. There's a little inside thing. They must have heard something about Drew Brees. But uh, but the the prevalent number is three. So I'm going to say three and and let everybody know with a caveat that it may change before kickoff. All right. But for now we're saying three. So Chuck has put his foot down. Everybody needs to listen. And ah uh, yeah, I love that. Even if Drew Brees plays, I love the three. I think I think Carolina. Is gonna gonna take that take that and run with it. So Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I got to go with Carolina. I don't think Drew Brees is gonna play, and even if Drew Brees does play, I just question whether or not he's gonna have enough zip on his passes. So I'll go with the Panthers. Yeah, the Saints supposedly have a good offense, but I haven't seen any any evidence <laughs> of it yet. Uh, I think they really, really miss Jimmy Graham. I mean, before more than anyone could ever say. Uh, this game, for me, is a case of a really good defense against a really crummy defense. So we talked about the Saints' kind of anemic offense, and now they have the Rob Ryan defense, which uh, is, is becoming synonymous with Swiss cheese defense. So I, I, have, I have no other way to go than the Panthers. Okay. Uh, Baltimore at Cincinnati, division showdown. Baltimore Ravens are favored. It was three. It's now two and a half. So we'll make the Ravens a two and a half point favorite here. Okay. Um, I know the Ravens are 0-2 and they're back at home and there's a whole lot of motivation or desperation over celebration, I think is what the correct term, but since he's hot right now, and that's a dangerous thing, because whenever everybody gets behind Cincinnati, that's when they let you down, but I think they keep it going one more week, just because it's a division game, and I just, I think they're going to be fully healthy, I think Jeremy Hill's going to be motivated after his benching last week, and they're they're going to they're gonna make some things happen, so I'm going to, uh, and it was, you said Baltimore two and a half point favorites? Yes. So I'll take Cincy plus the two and a half. Feeling pretty good about it. Nick, what do you think? I'm going to go the other way. I think Baltimore playing at home, it's a division game, and all they have to do is win by a field goal. I think the Ravens can now pull that out. Okay, Chuck, what do you think? Baltimore is uh, 0-2. The Bengals are 2-0. Um, 
I, I love AFC North matchups, no matter who's playing. I mean, even when Cincinnati looks like they're outmatched, it's usually a good game, and it's usually a, a good play. It's probably actually what I'm saying. In, in the AFC North in a divisional game, it's it's never a bad idea to take the underdog. So I'm just for that reason, I'm going with the underdog here. I'm going to take the Bengals. Okay. Sorry, lost my spot. Houston hosting Tampa Bay. Uh, one and one Tampa Bay versus zero oh and two Houston. I think it's been a kind of a letdown for their fans so far this year. But the game is in Houston. What do you got for us, Chuck? We're looking at uh, six and a half points. The Texans favored by just uh, well, I guess a field goal and a half an extra point. We can call it. Okay. Well, it's. Uh, I know it's 0-2, but it seems weird to have a winless team favored by that much. Uh, that being said, Jameis Winston has not seen anything like J.J. Watt so far in his young career. And the corners on this off, excuse me, the corners on this defense for the Texans really good. Obviously, Jonathan Joseph is there. Uh, Raheem Moore is making a nice impact in the middle for this team, and I don't. And uh, you know the Tampa Bay defense has been somewhat of a disappointment, so I don't know who's going to be the leading rusher for for Houston in this game. But I don't think it matters because I think uh, I think they're going to make enough plays, and I'm going to take Houston minus the six and a half. I don't love it, but I'm going to go with Nick. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. Six and a half, that's just too many points for Houston. I mean, like you said, who's going to lead the team in rushing? They have DeAndre Hopkins, but other than that, they don't have a lot of great weapons in the passing game. So that's just too many points to be favored for such a questionable offense. Going with the Bucks. Chuck, what do you think? With the uh... – huh. I just can't envision. I, I mean, look at playing the Saints' defense one week and then the Texans' defense the next. Uh, they got a win on the road last week for the Buccaneers. I just can't see an inexperienced quarterback like uh, like Jameis Winston. Uh, he's seeing the Texans. It, it would be great if he saw the Texans twice a year because in the next game maybe he'd know what to expect. But I don't think he knows what to expect in this game. I know six and a half points is a lot for a team that that hasn't won yet to give six and a half points. But um, I I, I kind of picture at least one defensive touchdown in this for the Texans. I'm going to go with the Texans minus six and a half. Okay. Maybe J.J. Watt scores more touchdowns than Tampa in this game. We'll see. Um, Arizona hosting San Francisco. I think we've got another big spread here. Chuck, what do you got for us? Yeah, the same as, uh, same as that Texans game. The Cardinals favored by six and a half over the Niners. All right, Nick, you buying it this time? I am. Uh, as long as as long as the quarterback Carson Palmer is healthy, Arizona is one of the top teams in the NFL, in my opinion. So I definitely will take Arizona to win this by at least a touchdown. Uh, I agree there too. I'll, I'll be really interested to see how uh, Eric Mangini's defense tries to uh, to eliminate David Johnson, even though he's got what a, some of a limited role there in that Arizona defense. But I think they're going to pay attention to what he does and and try to try to take him, you know, make sure that he doesn't make any plays on this team. But then you got to worry about oh, some guy named Larry Fitzgerald, and then 
don't forget about John Brown in the slot. So I think they're going to have all kinds of problems to deal with uh, on this game. And uh, I think it's going to be a good game, but I think uh, we'll see, uh, you know, maybe the Arizona defense make a big turnover and put this thing over that six and a half mark there in the end. So I'm going to also go with Arizona. Yeah. Where did, uh, where did this, uh, where did Larry Fitzgerald come from all of a sudden last week? <laughs> it totally blew me away. I mean, I love Larry Fitzgerald's. I was happy about it, but I, I don't, you know, it, it just goes to show that the Cardinals can, can go to any number of players to win a game. Uh, the 49ers at the beginning of the season, I thought they would be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And then they had that Monday night game and, uh, I just I didn't want to reevaluate right away and uh, took Pittsburgh last week in my uh, in my eliminator series and they sure did eliminate them. I, I I think that was the real 49ers team. Maybe they'll be better at home, but I would not take them on the road getting anything less than a touchdown. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Cardinals. Well, and maybe to answer your question, unfortunately, answer your question. That was. Uh, the Bears defense. That's where that's where Larry Fitzgerald came from last week. So. Um, yeah, sorry, but it's unfortunate. No, that's all right. Uh, oh, I'm a, I'm a realist about the Bears. I have I have no uh, no visions of them doing anything this year. Buffalo at Miami. What do you got for us? The uh, Dolphins are favored by three. The 0-2 Dolphins are favored by three. Love that Buffalo defense too much. I know it's Buffalo on the road, and uh, but uh, yeah, I think they I think they got to get this one. So uh, what do you got for us? What do you got for us, Nick? Uh, I'm gonna go with Buffalo too. Miami, they've just been a huge disappointment this year. Whereas Rex Ryan and Buffalo has his guys playing really hard and really good football. So I'm gonna go with the Bills. Yeah, has any team been less like their preseason hype than the uh, than the Miami Dolphins? Holy cow, they were supposed to. Be, they picked up all these great receivers in the off season, and that's going to make Lamar Miller better, and they're going to be great, and everything like that. And uh, I haven't seen it. I mean, the, the, it, it had to be embarrassing to lose to Jacksonville last week. Uh, it's it's being reported that the Dolphins are going to make an effort to get their running game going, which might be a good idea, but the the Bills are 10th in the league against running backs, so this is going to be a tough weekend to do it. The Bills are a good team, and I always like to take points with a good team, whether they're on the road or not. Miami is not as good as they've been touted to be, so I am going to take the Bills, and that probably means that uh, Miami has that breakout game where they win 55 to nothing. <laughs> and that is a clean sweep. Um, I'll get a clean sweep. Audio clip. Don't worry about it, guys. We'll get it. We'll get. Some, we'll find something great. Um, uh, okay, Chuck, you get to go first after you give us the line. Could be a big one. Uh, Chicago at Seattle. <laughs> Biggest one of the week. Seahawks favored by fifteen. You know what? I, I, I. This is this is. I surprised myself in making this pick, but I am going to take the uh, the Bears. Sometimes the best bets are the craziest, and it's hard to give up 15 points with a team that doesn't score much. The Seattle Seahawks are not known for their offense. I think the Bears can uh, can stop them enough to cover a 15-point spread. So I, I I may end up just totally eating crow on this one, but I'm gonna 
I'm going to take my Bears, and you'll remember I didn't take them last week. I took the Cardinals. I'm going to take the Bears to uh, to cover the to cover the 15 points. Uh, I'm going to take the Bears too, just because that's a whole lot of points. And, and Seattle doesn't. I don't think Seattle has the manpower to just mow somebody over like that. So I mean, when you're looking at a, a double-digit spread, and you're you're taking somebody minus you know. 10 points, minus 15 points, minus 13 points, whatever it is, you better hope for a touchdown on their first drive and then a field goal right after that. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be, I mean, they're going to be working against themselves all day to get past those double double digits that they're favored by. So I'm going to take Chicago. Don't feel good about it, but I, I think that's that's the smart. That's where the smart money is going to lie here just because it's way too many points in the NFL game. Nick, what do you think? Uh, well, you guys mentioned uh, New Orleans missing Jimmy Graham. I think Jimmy Graham also misses New Orleans just as much. Uh, Seattle hasn't figured out a way to incorporate him into their offense, and uh, rumors are he's starting to get pretty angry about it. So I, I think the Bears can cover the spread and only lose by two touchdowns. Wow. We sw- we swept the Bears pick. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've swept Oakland and, Phil- Oakland and Washington, too, as well, so. Ooh, beware. Uh, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Sunday night game, Denver at Detroit. Chuck, what do you got for us? We have, this is another one of those, and I don't know why, maybe C.J. Anderson. Uh, I, I have no idea why, but there's uh, there's no line on this one either. The offshore line on this one is uh, three points, and that is the, uh, the uh, Broncos favored by three. So Detroit's getting three points at home. I only because maybe just because they haven't said one, I haven't been that definite about a game so far, but this is going to be my lock of the week. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions to take down Peyton Manning, who's gotten extremely lucky over the last first two weeks, I believe. Um, And I think Detroit actually has a pretty decent secondary, and I think they're going to make some turnovers and uh, maybe even score a defensive touchdown. And Peyton's not going to be so lucky this week. So you're giving me three points. I'm going to take that home team dog in the NFL. That's 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 a pretty that's a pretty decent home team dog, I think. I know they're 0 2, but I think Detroit wins this. Lock of the week, Nick. What do you think? I don't like it, but I'm going to go the other way and uh, take the Broncos. I just think the Denver defense is playing lights out recently, and Detroit's defense just didn't look as good as they were supposed to be in the preseason, so I, I think the Broncos win this one. Oh, boy. Um, just to just to give you an idea of, uh, of of how split these are, one of the offshore books has a pick on this game with Detroit and Denver, but the other two – uh, the other three lines that I see are anywhere for the two threes and one three and a half. So uh, we'll let, that's why we're sticking with the three. The Detroit Lions, uh, well, let, let's look at the Broncos first. They've been on the precipice of losing in their first two games, and they just happened to win them. Detroit seems to have some kind of magic at home on national games. Uh, they will look like world beaters on Sunday night, and probably let everybody down the next week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that uh, go with that wave that's Detroit at home on a national game on Sunday night, and I'm gonna take the Lions. Okay, and that brings us to the last one, uh, Monday night. I think it's a really good matchup. Um, I, and I forgot to is it at Green Bay? 
Kansas City at Green Bay? Uh, yes. Uh, Packers are favored by six and a half. Um, I I just think Kansas City uh, is not not that bad a team. I think they're they have some defensive playmakers. I think they got some guys in offense that could do some damage. And I, I really think they hang with them. Even even if Green Bay has got a, maybe a you know a ten to fourteen point lead at halftime, I think Kansas City can make this look good in the second half. This is a team that uh, under Andy Reid have shown a lot of heart, and they don't they don't <clears throat> let let down. So I'm going to go. KC plus a six and a half just seems like a lot of points. Nick, what do you got for us? Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I think, yeah, it's just too too many points. Kansas City's got a great defense. Uh, they're going to run the ball and try to kill the clock a little bit, limit uh, Aaron Rodgers' opportunities. So I, I think Kansas City can keep it within a touchdown. Okay. Um Josh, you got, sometimes I like to look at what, what should have happened the week before. Uh, the Chiefs should have won that game against the Broncos. Now, then you got to think, what would, this, what would the spread be if the Chiefs would have beaten the Broncos at home on that Thursday night? I mean, the Chiefs would be coming here at 2-0 with a win over the Broncos. And um, the, the, the Chiefs are 1-1, one one, right? Yep. Yeah, that first game. That's right. They beat the Texans the first game and, and looked pretty good in doing it. Didn't look good in the second half. Uh, so if the Chiefs came in there at 2-0, and if they would have beaten the Broncos last week and come in at 2-0, and I'd say the spread would be 3.5 to 4 or something like that. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs to uh, – I, I can't pass up 6.5 points against a team that should be undefeated so far. Yeah, I agree. Is that – Nick, did you take the Chiefs? Sorry. Uh, yes, I did. Okay, that's, that's another, another sweep. clean sweep. All right, so these uh, six sweeps again this week. So we'll see how we do. Um, I think we were at two and five and five and two or something like that. So uh, be that what it two, is, I guess. We were uh, we were two and four last week. So uh, anyway, two to recap four. the 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 games that we uh, that we all agreed on: the Redskins, the Steelers, the Panthers. The Raiders, Carolina, oh, excuse me, the Cardinals, the Bears, mm-hmm. the Bills, and the Chiefs. Boy, a lot of them this week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so we'll see what that's all worth in the end. Uh, this has been a Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, big thanks to our earlier guest, Brian Hawks. For helping us out. Make sure you check out his stuff on DFW. Uh, always nice to have Chuck aboard as well to give us our ATS help. Um, and uh, good luck to everybody. Nick, hope you have oh, a Josh? good weekend, buddy. Yeah. Josh, one more thing. Don't forget to, about my uh, my uh, Inside the Lines article on Dynasty Football Warehouse coming out probably, I think it comes out Saturday night or Sunday morning on Dynasty Football Warehouse. I. I pimped that right away when we started to make sure everybody Oh, you did. Okay. We'll pimp, we'll, pimp it, we'll pimp it again. Make sure you check it out. We're doing it thank for you. you, folks. So make sure you check that out before you call your bookie Sunday morning. Uh, thank you very much. This has been the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Have a great weekend. Take care.
Dynasty Podcast with Jake, Gail, 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 Gail,